Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Well, you can be seated as quickly as you stood up. For some of you, that was quite slow. You're like, who is this guy? I don't know if I want to stand up for him. I'm going to wait a bit. <laughs> but uh, hey, I, want to, uh, I welcome each and every one of you again to the first Sunday back in person. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just think there's something significant about the first. Uh, just to echo what Pastor Ben said is even in giving, when we bring our first, God's after our first because He knows if you can get our first, usually the others will follow suit. And so I love a healthy church, a hungry church, who on the first Sunday back in person want to be found in a gathering like this because they believe in the power of gathering together to worship Jesus' name. And so I believe in this gathering, not just the 10 a.m. at Elevation Hills on a Sunday, but this first 10 a.m. of 2023 uh, back in person. And we're going to have a fun time this morning. Uh, I, I do. I was told I have to be done by 11.15, but my watch is set on Queensland time. So I've actually really got an hour and a half. So if you're all good with that, just be patient with me and I'll get you done by 11.15 Queensland time and uh, we'll be sweet. But uh, hey, I'm so excited to share today. Really do class it as an honour to be able to speak and share God's Word with us all. And, and my heart really is, as I share, is actually not to come as a guru and offer up answers and try to put all the things in alignment with your world. But I've really had a shift recently where, where God's really challenged me to more so just give an itch towards each of us that we would get a bit of our own responsibility to go home and seek God and His Word and His truth for ourselves. Why? Because if you live off the conviction of a speaker on a stage, it may last for a few moments, it may last for a day or two, but the moment that you need to put that revelation into action, it goes away as quickly as it came. But if you can get on the inside of who you are, a conviction of the things of God, friend, it doesn't matter what comes your way, you are anchored in the reality of who Jesus is. And then when we sing, I'll take you at your word, it's not just a nice song. It is the echo of our life. And so I'm excited for 2023. Why? Because I think God wants to elevate the maturity of believers to be more of who God has called them to be than they were in the past. And I'm excited about the gathering of the local church. And I'm excited about what God is going to deposit through His church to the city that we're placed in. And I've been going on a bit of a journey around the importance of the local church and and what the impact of that is. And I'm more convinced now than I ever have been before of the vitality of the church for the city with which it is placed in. We need to understand that Castle Hill, that Sydney, that the Gold Coast, that that, that Tamworth, that, can I still say them? Sorry, if you're watching online. (laughs) I didn't even have that in my notes, but I just went there. We still love you, but it doesn't matter where the church is in. I'm gonna get called by Miles, I'm so sorry. Doesn't matter where we are, but the church is vital to the city that it is placed in. Why? Because in the church carries the very message of Jesus Christ to everyone that they come into contact with. So despite what maybe modern culture will tell each of us, the church is not an ancient idea for the past. It is the present reality of God's kingdom on earth to bring the message of hope and salvation to people around us. And I'm believing through faith and prayer 
that we as the local church are entering into a season of anointing and outpouring that is not gonna be able to be contained inside a building or a program, but it's gonna catch and ooze from the people that attend those things, that take it out to every part of every university, every school, every workplace, man, even the cricket on day five. (laughs) We all know the South Africans need it. But just like the words of the Apostle Paul, we would be able to say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. Not just those who've already made the decision, not just those that sit next to me on a Sunday, but for every single person who would believe the gospel is the power of God for salvation. We need families who are on fire with the things of God. We need sons and daughters who are going after the anointing and seeking the anointing. We need mothers and fathers who are putting their hand up to be obedient once again to the call of God on their life. We need grandparents who understand the urgent. Oh my goodness. I haven't preached for three weeks, all right? So I'm really just getting all of it out. I also haven't had a coffee this morning, which is fine, but that's fine. We need grandparents who understand the urgent hour we are in, who will pray, speak and stay involved and invested in the lives of the local church and those within it. Come on, now is the time. Now is the time. And I'm sorry if you came in this morning for just an ease into 2023, but I'm going to go heavy. I'm going to go hard. And I believe God's going to challenge us now to encourage us for the future. And I have a real sense of expectancy for, for this next season, for this church, but for Elevation, but, but more than that, for the Capital C Church. And I'm going to share a message that I feel like God has stirred and placed on the inside of me to be able to speak to all of us, myself included, that would be able to take us in to the place that God has for us. And I've titled today's message, The Cost of Your Christianity. The cost, oh, thank you. The cost of your Christianity. Well, I have a drink. Why don't you just yell back at me? The cost of your Christianity. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, just a couple of verses. But before I do, I would really like to take some time to honour our, our newly ordained lead pastors, Miles and Bonnie. I know you're probably going to be watching this later. Uh, we want to honour you. We want to celebrate and cheer you on. And we want you to know that we are in your corner. Uh, I really believe that as you step into this new level of uh, capacity and, uh, and leadership, that God's going to give you such a grace and an anointing. Uh, and I think it's the responsibility of, of myself, but also us as a church. I think it's our responsibility to really get behind you uh, and to pray for you uh, and to stand in the gap, uh, to rebuke the enemy over your marriage and over your family. Why? So that as you grow and get better, uh, we're just going to experience the life that follows uh, in Jesus through you. And so I want to honour you and celebrate with you. First weekend back in person as lead pastor. We're excited for you. Uh, But let's read Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 37. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know about you, but just jump on online, on TikTok or Instagram, and that pretty much describes the world we live in. Then he said to his disciples, so notice this, Jesus makes an observation about reality 
And his follow-up to that observation is to speak into the lives of his followers. And he says this, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers, they are few. Therefore, watch how to pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into His harvest. So I don't know about you, but, but I'm already challenged by this because a lot of my prayers when I look at the world is fix them. A lot of my prayers when I sit online and social media and I walk through what's trending and, and the way the world's going and, and the things that we're believing, I look at all that and I go, God, would you fix them? Would you meet them? Would you heal them? And whilst I understand sometimes the underlying motive behind that prayer, Jesus makes an observation about His reality and His response is to speak to His followers to say what you should be praying is that more people would step up and be Jesus to the world around them. Amen. Oh, this is going to be fun morning for some of us. <laughs> because you're not going to be able to sit in the Sunday anymore and just exist. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, I know I need it. And then we'll get into it. Father, we thank You for this moment. God, that it would not just be on accident, but it would not just be by chance, but that God, You would be doing something sovereign, that You would be placing an anointing on every single person in this service to receive Your truth and Your message this morning. Why? Not so that we can just take up more room in a building on a Sunday, but so that we can be equipped to be Your hands and feet everywhere that we go. And so God, I ask that You would humble me to be a mouthpiece and a servant of of your truth and your message. Father, would you help hold my tongue when it needs to be held? Help me speak when things need to be said. Give me boldness, faith and clarity of thought to proclaim your truth this morning. And right now, every power or principality that would raise itself up against the knowledge of you, Jesus, I ask that you would take that away and that there would be a clarity and a receptiveness to hear from heaven this morning. It's in Jesus' name, everyone said. Well, for a moment, will you just like kind of go back with me to my honeymoon? Don't worry, I'll keep it G-rated. And uh, <laughs> we were, my wife and I got married in 2019, just before kind of the best year of our life, right, Muslim, in 2020. And, and, and we got married, we decided, well, what we're gonna do is we've not really seen much of Australia. My wife is Northern Irish, came over here when she was about 13, 14. And, and so you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh, fly to Melbourne, hire a car and just kind of drive around, see all the sights and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we landed in there, it was all sorted, all good. And we planned all of our accommodation beforehand, which is, which is amazing. I encourage you to do that. Don't ever fly by the seat of your pants, ever. Done that before and it landed me in very hot water. But uh, we planned it all good, we rocked up. And one of the places we were going was, uh, I think it was called the Dandenong Ranges or something, these mountains, I don't know. My wife loves nature. I'd prefer to just sit in the city and go to movies and shop. But um, she loves nature. And so anyway, so, so we're going there and, and we're driving around, you know, uh, early afternoon, just seeing the sights, finding things to do. And it was awesome. But, but one of these places we found was a lookout, right? Now this lookout was apparently meant to give you these amazing 360 degree views of, of here to there and everywhere. And uh, it didn't really phase me. I could look at it on, online and get just as much of a thrill as being there in person. But, but for Sophie, it really meant a lot to her. And so uh, being the good husband that I was of two days, I decided to to put my own needs behind me and live to the, the, the serve my wife. And, and, uh, and so anyway, so we're driving there and, and as we find it, we're following maps. And as we start to get to the top of this lookout, we notice there's like a boom gate, big signs and everything. We're like, oh, that's weird. Like, you know, at least in, in Brisbane, in Queensland, um, you can just drive to nature. Like they don't really like parole it. That's a bit weird, but anyway. And so we drive up and as we get closer, 
we noticed that what we thought was free was actually you had to pay to enter. Now, now just for, for, an, for a moment, you know when you get into something, maybe for you it's a fast food drive-through and you pull in and you're like, no, 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 I don't want this anymore, but you're already boxed in and you can't get out. And so at that point you have to make a decision. Am I just gonna drive through and be that person or am I gonna buy something? And so, so we were there in that moment, approaching this lookout uh, that we thought we could enjoy nature for free. No, we found a way to pay to see things that you can just should be able to go that God created God's like, aha, really? Come on. Anyway, so, so we're driving up there and as we get closer, the guy goes, oh, that's, I can't remember, it was like $15, $20 each or whatever. I know. <laughs> to look at a tree, like seriously. <laughs> anyway, and so we, we, we go through the boom gate and we go, yeah, whatever, it's honeymoon, just do it. And, and so we go, we drive towards this lookout. Now, let me tell you, I would love to be able to say it was worth every single dollar, but really it was like late afternoon. It was kind of closing. Now, it was also Easter time, so it was a public holiday week, so everything that you could have done was actually shut anyway. So we hopped out of our car, stood out, good young married couple we were, put that on the gram, walked around, there's some nice flowers, there's a restaurant, normally that's open, or there's a gift shop, that's probably normally open too. Hopped back in our car, drove home. <laughs> what an experience. What a way to spend our honeymoon, paying for things that we wish we could just watch for free. <laughs> but the reason I share that, right, is it's a funny story, but really there's an underlying truth there is that have you ever been in a situation where you had to pay for something that you didn't expect had a cost attached to it? I'm sure we've all been in a situation where this has been the case and you're confronted with the reality that in order to engage in activity or engage in an experience, you have to pay something to do it. So what happens is sometimes if you're not aware of the cost, you're left shocked, you're unaware that it was a thing and you can kind of go, I didn't sign up for this, I'm out. Friend, can I suggest that in modern Christianity and in the church, especially in the West in 2023, we have come to the same place whereby we think that there is no cost attached to following Jesus. We buy into the idea that following Jesus is just an add-on to our already exciting, comfortable and enjoyable lives. But let me tell you, there is a cost to your Christianity because faith is worth something. There is a cost to your Christianity because your faith is worth something. In the age of convenience, we have lost the truth that life with Jesus is costly that living a life for Jesus will cost you something, that standing for truth will cost you something. Let me tell you that following Jesus is not a free pass while you are here on earth so that you feel safe when you die, that you will go to heaven. No, the reality of faith in Jesus is that heaven would permeate and saturate your existence now, that heaven would be released and established through your life. But what happens? Like what happens if we don't see the cost attached to Christianity? What happens if we don't understand that there is a cost attached to following Jesus? See, what I'm seeing and what I'm observing and, and even what I've bought into is that when we don't understand there is a cost attached to following Jesus, what we become is Christians who just consume. Which is to say we feel called as long as it fits my schedule and my life. 
We feel led as long as it means I don't have to say something that's unpopular. We are a part of a church as long as they do everything exactly as I want or as I would like. And so we start saying things like, well, the church is here to serve me. What can the church do for me? What can Jesus do for me? How does my life look better? Why is my life not like that? How come I'm not doing this? And everything automatically becomes about us. So suddenly God's kingdom begins to look a lot like the world's kingdom and we become the gravitational pull by which Jesus and the church orientate around us. See, called Christians understand that their discipleship will contain inconvenience. But consumer Christians fear that discipleship will compromise their comfort so they opt out of transformation and stay where they are because it's more comfortable, convenient and easier to exist in the world around us. Consumerism is a disease that has crept into the modern church from the world around us. And let me tell you, it is robbing God's people of the life that He has offered and invited us into. See, we have believers who will spend more time on a screen than they will in Scriptures. We have believers who will be more excited about a sporting match than worship in a church service. We have believers who are vocal about their opinions on politics than what they are about sharing their faith in Jesus. We have believers who are more concerned with whether the music's right or the lights are right than the fact that their work colleagues are going to hell when they walk past them every day. We have believers who are more interested in what's trending than what God said is true. We have believers who complain about a lack of church growth, but have never shared their faith or invited someone to church before. We have believers who are more invested in and adherent to government policies during a pandemic than they were to living like what Scripture commands. We have believers who give more to Netflix and Disney Plus than to the local church. We've been consumed with a self-centred Christianity because we don't understand following Jesus costs something. So we are seeing a generation of Christians who think the church and Jesus exists for them and their life and their convenience and it's building a consumeristic Christianity which does not understand the cost. Friend, you are not called by Jesus to be a consumer, but you are called to make a difference, to bring heaven down to earth and to see the city and the world around us transformed by the gospel. See, you'll know if consumerism has you is if your first response when you leave this morning is to complain about the message. <laughs> I just did that to make myself feel like not as bad if you hate me after. <laughs> just kidding. But you'll know if you become a consumer when it comes to Christianity because the first thing you do when you leave a Sunday gathering is complain about something that wasn't right or complain about the fact that they didn't say hello to me. See, if you are at the centre of your faith with Jesus, friend, let me tell you, it's not Jesus you're building your life around, it's yourself and your advancement you're building your life around. I mean, we even have this notion. I know this is probably more true for the Gold Coast, all right? So I know you're all better than this here. But we have a notion, right? That's called church shopping. Have you ever heard that before? Can I tell you, I hate that word to the core of my existence. Because what that builds in us is this idea that I have to build the perfect church that's going to fit my needs. 
So what we don't have is build a bear, we have build a church where I want the worship to sound like this, the preacher to preach on these things. I want the people to be like this. I want them to look like this. I want the kids program to look like this. They need to have this kind of youth ministry. And if the leader does this, well, they said this, I'm out. Friend, church is never about appeasing you. It's about gathering together to go and be Jesus to the world around us. Consumerism is not the way of Jesus. And like we said, the problem with consumeristic Christianity is it puts you and me at the centre of our own faith. So we never have planted believers, but we have ones who pass through church to church chasing wherever's next because they feel better. I'm getting to Matthew 9, don't worry. In light of all of this, what happens is we don't engage with the work of the Kingdom of God. Rather, we just partake of empty religious activity that on the surface makes us feel good, but on the inside has no transformation. So I hear the words of Jesus in Matthew 9 to His disciples ringing in my ears where He says, the harvest is plenty, but it's the workers who are few. It's the followers of me that don't understand their life is no longer for them and their comfort and their convenience but it's about now taking my message to the world around Him. I love the book of Matthew and how he reveals and explains life in the Kingdom of God. Did you know this? In fact, that that in the book of Matthew, King and Kingdom is core message and theme in His Gospel. Kingdom of Heaven is mentioned 33 times and Kingdom of God is mentioned five times. Matthew is trying to explain to us through his recount of Jesus' life what it is to operate in the Kingdom of God. And right into our consumeristic culture and consumeristic Christianity, he says in Matthew 9, 35 to 37, the harvest is plenty, but understand this, it's the workers who are few. Your workplace is ready, but understand this, it's Christians who are caught up with consumerism that don't wanna work or understand the cost that's stopping the harvest from becoming fruitful. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Pretenders were many, but real laborers in the harvest were few. Man-made ministers are useless. Still are the fields encumbered with gentlemen who cannot use the sickle. Still the real ingatherers are few and far between. I love this. Where are the instructive soul winning ministries? I am so convinced God is rebirthing in us an understanding that our faith costs something. Why? Because we are called to work the harvest to see more people saved than just our own world and life changed. Do you truly believe that the harvest in Sydney is plenty? Or would you prefer to sit at a distance and just pray, God fix them, God meet them, God change them? 
Or do you believe that when Jesus says it's the harvest that is plenty, but it's our job as followers to understand the work attached to living in His Kingdom, that go out and be who He is to the world around Him. Now, don't get me, don't get me mixed up here. This is not about church more. And by what I mean by that, it's not about being more involved in the Sunday experience. Yes, that's a fruit of it. But understand this, ministry happens in your everyday life when you leave this place. And so you come back to this environment and you get inspired, you get pumped up, you get full of faith, you get equipped so that you can go back out into the harvest as a worker and bring people back with you next week. The harvest is plenty, Jesus says, but the work is a few. I'm fearful that, and I'm a part of this generation, we've created active churchgoers while simultaneously having absent Christians. People who are okay just to rock up on a Sunday, do the thing, go back to their life like nothing ever changed. We can no longer think Jesus on Sunday while we live like everyone else on Monday. Church gathering is not the standard of your Christianity. Understand this, it's just the starting point. It's not the ceiling that caps you, it is the floor that propels you. What if the lack of harvest in the world around us is actually not because of the world, but because of the workers who don't understand what the cost is attached to their faith in Jesus? So we think the church does exist for us. But friend, let me tell you, you are the church and the church is on mission called to go into the world, not just to sit on a pew. Um, this might be the last time I'm back here, so it's been nice, guys. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up here. Team can join me. And Remember, my heart here is, is God's taking me on this journey because I've realised how much I've bought into consumeristic Christianity. Where I've been okay to just come on a Sunday, even as a pastor, and just do my thing and then go back into the rhythm throughout the week, but, but never put my hand to the field to reach the harvest that is around me. So God's revealing this to me, right? And so I'm not even sharing this from a, hey, I'm here, I've nailed it, come with me. I'm saying, hey, I think God collectively wants to take us on this discovery journey of what it is to be a true worker to reach the harvest that He's called us to reach. And like I said, I don't wanna give us all the answers, but what my goal is that I felt like God called me here today to do is to just place something on the inside of you. It might be a discontentment and it might feel like challenge before it is encouraged. But if you can feel the challenge and you can go home and pray and you can go home and talk to God and you can go home and talk to your friends around you, go, man, that really, well, what was it about that, that message that really resonated or sunk with me? And, and that God would then birth a conviction on the inside of you because you're not going to have me shouting at you on Wednesday morning when you're heading to work. But what you will have is the Holy Spirit inside of you who can illuminate people around you that if you were understanding as a worker, the harvest is plenty and you just put your hand up to say, God, I'm willing, I'm able and I'm active. He might do something incredible through you. So I've shifted gears. My heart is no longer to build the church. Jesus does a good enough job of that. 
But my heart is to equip the church that they may go out and be the church to reach the harvest around them. That's why Jesus says, the workers are few. It's time to leave consumerism in our Christianity in the past and step into the calling God has over each and every one of us. To live a life that is wholly devoted, sold out for His kingdom and His cause. The reality is life in the kingdom involves working. I got one, I got one more thing. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think the biggest thing that stops us from putting our hands to the, to the, to the plough and, and being workers to, to reach the harvest is when we whinge, when we complain, And I think for some of us, what God wants to change in us is we spend all of our time whinging about other workers or whinging about the harvest or whinging about the fact that the person who's now sitting in front of me, they don't kind of look or understand the etiquette of what it is to be in this environment. I tell you right now, when you spend your time whinging, or caught up in consumerism when it comes to Christianity, you don't wanna reach the harvest, but you'll end up resenting it. Imagine if we as a church understood that our existence as followers of Jesus is now no longer to build ourselves up, that we may be the centre of our world, but it's to invite people in to the life that Jesus offers them. And so if someone comes through these doors, who's come with someone who's throughout the week, put their hand to the field and has reached the harvest and has brought them in. And we spend all of our time pointing our hands and kind of whinging and complaining that they don't get it, that they don't act like us or talk like us. Friend, you've stepped away from the harvest and the work of God. And this morning He wants to bring you back in. Would you get excited about people coming home to the family of God? Would you get passionate about seeing the people around us transform? Would you get excited about the things of God in and through your life? Jesus finishes with this prayer. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers, to send out workers into His harvest. This is a prayer that we must pray, but we can only pray it honestly if first we pray with an ear open to hearing Him tell us to ourselves go into the harvest.